Alright everyone, how you doing? I am Sergio from the Dodgeball Podcast and here with me I have... Nathan David, I play for the Lutworth Meteors, England Lions and Great Britain. Definitely a strong lineage of teams to play for there, but uh, before we get into your story, let's uh, get some preliminaries out of the way. So what's your jersey number and what's the story behind it? Oh, that's a good question. Um, for Meteors, I wear number 14. Um, 14 is my lucky number. I think when you're growing up, everyone has that kind of lucky number. And generally, it uh, kind of links to when your your birthday is, doesn't it? So my birthday is January the 14th, just in case anyone wants to buy me a birthday present or something. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I've always had it at 14. I think I had like a... I think I had an operation when I was like really young. Maybe I had like my tonsils out or something. And then I was with my mum and I was going down into the hospital ward. And I think I was going into operate operating theatre. And I think I looked up and it was like number 14. And I was like, oh, if I come out, this is going to be my lucky number. And obviously I was never going to die. I was like my tonsils out. I was like <laughs> a kid. But I was like, yeah, this is definitely my lucky number. And then from then on, like if I was playing for my like local football team or anything like that, I always wanted to have number 14. And I've not actually been able to have it for many teams. So coming to Meteors and the fact that it was free, like that was super cool for me. But <laughs> for England and GB, like you don't get to choose your, well, you do get to choose your numbers, but because I'm a newbie in the team, I don't really get to choose. So for England, I think my squad number for the Euros was 53. And there's, ab- <laughs> there's absolutely no story behind that other than the fact that it's, uh, it's random. But I think yeah. the Meteors guys call me ND. And I think ND53 stands uh, like sounds pretty cool. So I'll take that. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll have to just keep 53 all the time. I don't know. And then for GB, I was 17, which again has absolutely no story behind it. Um, <laughs> I think from this podcast, we're going to find out I'm pretty boring. I've got no stories. But uh. if I... If I if I could choose, I would be number fourteen, and yeah, it's just like a bit of a a lucky number or, or the number that stuck with me. So yeah, that's what I'm gonna try and stick with. <laughs> well, I've had you on several times um, in the past couple months, so I could say you're not boring. So this is just your opportunity to share your story without anyone else around. Um, when you said number fourteen, I didn't think about the hospital story. I thought Thierry Henry. I'll take I'll take that I'll take that. <laughs> I was like I was I was waiting to hear that it just never came up never transitioned at all never went there it was like all right uh, cool. any, any Arsenal connection can can leave very quickly but I'll take Henri I'll take Henri <laughs> fair enough so um what was your uh, when did you start playing dodgeball and what was your first uh, session like um the year was 2014 it was my freshers week in university and i went to university and like everybody else i didn't know anyone but the day before i'd met a guy called dan and we support the same football team so we just got chatting and then you know we exchanged phone numbers and stuff and we hung out a little bit and then he messaged me like oh i'm gonna go to dodgeball tonight because my friend from home's going and like everybody else at the time i was like what the heck is dodgeball like <laughs> i've never heard of that and he was like, oh, come on down. Like, I don't really know what it is, but it sounds like it's fun. Like, I was like, okay, I hadn't, I hadn't even seen the film at this point. I didn't know if the film was out at that point, to be perfectly honest. But um, I was just like, yeah, you get to throw some balls at people. Like, football and cricket hasn't started yet. I'll try something else, see if I can meet some friends. And I went down there. And I think they just got us playing games the whole time. Um, I don't know what you call the games in America or in other universities or whatever, but we were playing, like, Medic, where... You know, if you get hit, you drop down to one knee. I think some people call it like Dr. Dodgeball and stuff like that. Um, yeah. 
we were playing like switch so you'd get hit and you'd have to switch sides and um, we were playing the bottle game so there would be a bottle at the back of the court and um, your aim was to start, try and throw and hit the bottle so like normal dodgeball rules apply so if you get hit you're out then if you hit the bottle the game ends immediately mm. this it's like the most simple concept ever dodgeball isn't it but like everybody else I just fell in love with it immediately and yeah, I, I guess it just gives you that kind of rush of adrenaline to try and throw a ball as hard as you can at somebody. And back then, dodgeball was was three ball. So it had like these massive cloth balls and I could bear like my hands are kind of big, but I could barely grip it. So I couldn't throw it properly. And I think for me as a competitor, I just wanted to throw it properly. And I was I think I only made the the university second team in my first year so after like two or three weeks of playing obviously you had your trials and then you got picked for a team and I was in the second team and <clears throat> from that first session I was absolutely hooked and pretty much all my best friends from university are well we met at, the, at dodgeball I'm the only one who still plays now but we still met there and yeah it was, it was an absolute blast nice um so a couple questions I want to ask what university was this um Winchester so southern England Okay, so while you're playing Winchester, well, there's a couple things. Um, we do have um, the same variety of dodgeball. So the uh, medic, we do play that. Um, the what you call the switch? Yeah, so I think I, I think we've probably got a better name, but we just call it switch. Like if you get hit, you swap teams. Yeah, and then like the game ends when one side's got all the players. Yeah, so we call that uh, zombie dodgeball. Oh, okay. <laughs> So um, that's a, that's more of like a Halloween thing, as you can tell. Um, yeah. And instead of a bottle, we use a bowling pin. Oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. But same rules apply. Like you can block in front of the bowling pin. Um, if you trip over and knock it down, the game is over, kind of thing. But yeah, you either eliminate the team or knock down the pin. But otherwise, it's the same same thing that you know I played. Some people here have played. Um, you say you're the only one still playing from that university. Were there any other? Uh, I mean, from my, from my friendship group from my year. I'm trying to think right now. Yeah, I'm pretty sure from from my year, from my friendship group. Yeah, I'm the only one that still plays. There's there's a couple that still, or there's there's a handful that still play for the Wessex Wolves in in the Super League. That they they, oh, wow. they kind of started um, the Winchester Dodgeball Society, and they still play now. Um, like a handful of maybe three, four or five. Um, and then one or two people from sort of a year or two below me, but none of them are like, yeah, none from like my direct friendship group still play right now. They kind of all went off. And, yeah, but just, more so like your alumni, your like your, your class, your graduating class. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm not okay. anyone from that. <laughs> so after playing some time in Winchester, did you just happen to find your way to Lutterworth, uh, Lutterworth Meteors, or what was your first club? No, not at all. My first club was Wessex, like I just said, and Wessex. Oh, they they started. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sorry for them if I get any of these dates wrong, but I, I'm pretty sure they started in my first year or second year. But because mm. the way the leagues worked that back then and still now, like you can't just join in the top league, even though they. They were probably good enough to be in the top league, but they had to start in the bottom league. So even in like the open tournaments and stuff, we never played them. Um, 
And then in my second year, I think we started to play them and they would just beat us every time because they were more experienced. They were well drilled as a team. They've been playing together for like four or five years at this point. Like they were pretty good, in my opinion, anyway, because I was playing for Winchester seconds, Winchester first team at this point. So like Wessex for me was like, that's where I want to be. Like that's the goal for me. And, you know, we're in respect with respect to Wessex, they weren't as good as Lutworth Meteors or Bedford Mighty Eagles or all these kind of old school teams that are top of the Super League but Wessex were like they were good and that's where I wanted to be and I think whilst I was at university we played them a handful of times we never beat them I don't even think we got close to be honest <laughs> and then towards my third year at university I, I was captain of the first team by this point and I think Wessex asked me to to join them because you could play for a, a university team and a, a community club and that's f that's the first point when the university team stopped being the same league as the community teams. Mm. So like this is a good opportunity for me because I like dodgeball was starting to take over my life a bit by that point. Um, and yeah, I stopped playing football and stuff like that. So dodgeball was like the main thing for me. And I was playing pretty much every weekend. I was playing playing one weekend for Winchester University, and then I was playing the next weekend for Wessex. And I was like an average player for Wessex at this point. I had probably a lot of potential I was what like 20 years old maybe but they had a lot of experienced players and a lot of them that were like England development team and like national players and stuff so for me like that was like a really good opportunity and it was the first time that I could really kind of play against the likes of Meteors and the likes of um you know the Leamington Spartans as they are now they weren't that they weren't called that back then but the same team pretty much um yeah and your Bedford Mighty Eagles and all these like superstar teams full of internationals that was my kind of my first kind of exposure to those and I had two seasons with Wessex and then I started to sort of trial for England and I started to get my name around a little bit um probably just for being a hothead a bit of a, an annoying person on court to be honest rather than being really good but I remember I actually played against Meteors once so, and it was Brett Simon Brett's brother um and Meteors were like super, super good. I don't think that they hadn't won the league in a couple of years, but they were still right up there, like top two team, top three team. Mm. I remember finishing the game, like, like Wessex lost comfortably, but I remember at the end of it, Simon and Brett like shook my hand and they were saying like, oh, are you going to England trials? Like, make sure you're there. Like, we really want to see you about. And that for me is like kind of my first sort of um, tiptoe into international dodgeball, that kind of level. Wow. Um, and then, <clears throat> yeah, I think that was about 2016. That, yeah that adds up 2016 and then I went to trial for England and I got in and I was still like really raw at this stage like looking back I was I was a pretty average player and I, but I still think at the time because I was about to leave university in sort of the next year or two I kind of felt like my dodgeball career was ending even though I was only 20 <laughs> and I'd never known anything outside of Winchester or Wessex and Wessex I like, play out of Winchester so outside of that city I didn't really sort of know anyone um so yeah, the joining the England setup was was like a big move for me. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it, it's it's cool that um, you mentioned you played against Meteors at one point early in your career. Yeah. But what stands out to me, and I'm sure Brett, is, you know, his ears are ringing right now. The fact that they he went up to you, and pretty much encouraged you to be at the next at at this point the next weekend's trials. How did it feel getting that kind of validation from someone who, by all counts, even at that point, even now, is, you know, top of the food chain as far as, like, players in the UK are concerned? 
yeah, it was massive. Honestly, it was, it was a huge compliment to me. And I remember the the year before I went to an England trial in, yeah, so it must've been the end of my first year and the start of my second year, I think, or maybe, yeah. Somewhere, so at some point during my second year, I went to the England trial and I, and I didn't make it. They said that I wasn't, you know, quite good enough or I had lots of points of development. And that was cool for me. I didn't go there with any expectation. It was just a good day out, really. But yeah, at that point, I think, like I said, I think that was my first kind of indication that I might be able to make it at that level and I might have a future sort of beyond Wessex or with a, a top, top Super League team or maybe even England, like who knows. And um, yeah, it certainly gave me the confidence. I think at this point, Wessex were kind of seeing me as a, as a decent player. I was, I was used a lot on the wing and I was, you know, in the team to make lots of hits and stuff, but I still had plenty to learn. And like Wessex was a really, really good learning opportunity. And I'd always recommend that club to anybody because they're, amazing guys and girls who play at that club and it's a, it's a re it really is a community feel and the fact that they've been kind of the same club with very very similar players for such a long time is and we're so far away as well like Wessex is one of the furthest furthest teams in terms of travel like they have to travel a long way and I think it is a testament to to them and the club that they've managed to keep it going so I'd like to shout out them but yeah I, I guess to answer your original question it was a huge compliment to me and yeah, it was it was Brett and it was Neely and it was Simon and, and and Brett's brother. And then I kind of carried on that season and then I got into the England. I think I was in like development or something at that point. I can't remember what they called it, but I was in the England squad, just part of a massive squad of like 30 people and just trained sort of every six weeks. And again, that was just an unbelievable experience. I was playing against people that I'd I'd watched in the top league for sort of two, two or three years at this point. And then they're throwing balls at me and I was like, Jesus, this standard is crazy. And that was when my mum and dad started coming to watch and supporting. Obviously, you've heard about heard of my dad a, few, a couple of times and yeah, they were yeah. supporting me. Like they were traveling up to Leicester from where we live. So about two and a half, three hours and they were watching me in kind of a dingy sports hall with England. Like you'd think that England might have had some high facility, high, like high-end facilities at that point. But no, it's like a, everyone who was listening who's been in that situation, it's like a concrete floor. And it was absolutely hideous and it was freezing, but for me to play against players of such a high standard at that point was like a, a really special really special time and looking back back on it it's nothing but fond memories um but it kind of ended up that stage of my life ended up with me going or getting picked for england at the six nations it was back then so similar i don't know if you if you're aware of the six nations in rugby yeah. where you've got those so yeah it's very very similar to that if not the same and um that's where I got close to Brett's brother, um, Dan Koenig. And I don't know yeah. if you've met him or heard of him or not, but him and I got really close because we were on the mixed team together and we ended up winning the Six Nations. And that was a really cool moment for me and my family, like representing England. And that was my kind of first real social experience outside of sort of the Winchester team. And I kind of went on my own in a sense. It's, it probably sounds a bit alien to a lot of people that are kind of based in the Midlands and that, that kind of dodgeball community there but for me from down south I was the only one who went there so it was like really really cool and really really fun uh, <clears throat> but yeah it was that was my first experience of an international dodgeball tournament I was still at Wessex then still love my dodgeball and yeah my first international win that's awesome dude um and then yes you have mentioned that your, your dad would come up and watch you play you said it was like a two-hour drive yeah more than that yeah it was like it, it, for, for him it was longer but he would he would drive through so I was still living at university so I was at Winchester which is about 40-45 minutes from where, from where I lived and then he would drive from or him and my mum would drive from 
where we lived to Winchester to pick me up. And then they would take me to, let's say, Leicester, which was on a good day, two and a half hours. And then obviously they'd take me all the way back and then they would drive on for another 45. So, yeah. Wow. And obviously they're still supporting you even now doing all these awesome things that I've seen you do on stream and and the world have seen you do on stream. Um, Yeah, around the world, baby. (laughs) Oh, people go hear your story. Don't get it twisted. (laughs) So... You win was it? You said mixed, right? Mixed gold. Yeah, yeah. So I was, Dan I did, uh, yeah, I was in the mix with that with Dan Koenig. Um, I, I wasn't picked from the men's at that point, and the men's actually. I don't think England men had ever lost. I don't think. I don't think they ever lost a, a competition. So I think England men have been going for about six or seven years at that point, and they'd never lost a match. And then at that tournament, they lost to Scotland. Um, and it was a super, yeah, I don't know if there's any footage anywhere, but if you ever catch it, it's, it was just an incredible game. Like if you're going to lose, that's the kind of game that you kind of want to lose because you know it's a just incredible spectacle, an incredible match. And yeah, it was pretty nuts. And it, it was just sort of led as motivation for me because I was like, yeah, do you know what? Like, I've done well at this tournament. I can do well there. I could have done well in that final. I could have helped out. And I didn't think that I was good enough to be a starting six at that point, but I felt like I, was, I could probably scrape into the top 15 maybe and see what I could do. And then in the following tournament, which was the Euros, which happened about six months later in Scotland, mm. um, in 2017, I got picked for that. Um, and I got picked for the men's and the mixed, um, which is like incredible for me. And I, I don't think I played either for either team beyond the quarterfinal. I think my last minutes were in the quarterfinal. Um, but do you know, what? I wasn't even annoyed. Like never once did I think like, oh, what the hell? I've come all the way to Scotland and not been picked. Like this sucks. Like the coaches hate me. I'm rubbish. Like that genuinely was one of the best weekends of my life. Um, it was, it was just incredible. Like the whole like camaraderie of being away with a squad and like we were only in Scotland, so it wasn't as, you know, as like you don't even have to fly. Well, I did fly, but you didn't have to, if you know what I mean. It's not that far away. But just for me, that was just one of the most amazing experiences ever. And I just I ached for more after that. Like literally we we or the 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 guys won um the men's and then the mixed team won the mix. So I, I was essentially a double European champion and I barely contributed, but it was just incredible to me. And I just wanted more. And I knew that the World Cup was like the following year. So I was like I'm not even going to celebrate these wins. Like I'm kind of, well, I'll have a night out and I'll really enjoy it. And the night out was amazing, by the way. But like, <laughs> I was like, get me to New York because the World Cup is going to be incredible. And I'm going to like fully like stake my claim and I'm going to be like unreal and I just can't wait. And <clears throat> yeah, that then I left Wessex and didn't get picked for the World Cup. But yeah, I guess we'll get onto that in a minute. <laughs> so wait, you didn't get picked for the World Cup in New York? No, I haven't been the I didn't get picked from 2017 to that Euros until the Euros that just went by in Holland. So I didn't play for like four or five years. Jesus Christ. Um so I guess we can kind of start with at what point did you join Meteors? Yeah, uh And what was that first session like training with them? It might have been the f- I'm trying to think. Sorry for the pause, I'm trying to think. It might have been 20, I think it's the, the season of 2017-18. So mm. I I basically got a message from, from Brett 
and I can't remember if he put me in a group chat or just messaged me privately. And he just goes, like, it was very like, straight up. He's like, hey, man, like, we're looking to recruit. Um, we feel like you kind of fit the bill in terms of how you play and we feel like we can help you develop. And it was pretty straight to the point. Like, it was no sort of grey areas or nothing. It, it, he said what he wanted to say. And I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> like, this is, <laughs> this is absolutely the team that I want to play for. And it was funny because I go back to the point of Dan Koenig. He came to Winchester University. So he was at Birmingham for three years. Then he went to Winchester for the fourth year and we both did our master's degree together and it just kind of linked up and we both kind of like he was trying to sort of say oh Mitchell's is like a really good team like we're really good it'll be really fun to have you and like I'm going to come down to Winch so you should stay to, at Winchester with me and that'll be really cool and I was like yeah I can do that and so him and I built a really strong friendship uh, and that year at university and for Mitchell's was like super cool um, but yeah for me joining Mitchell's was an incredible opportunity it's a really difficult conversation actually because I remember talking to the 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 uh the captain at Wessex Nile I said look like this opportunity has been given for me and I was really worried that he'd be like disappointed or annoyed at me but you know what like fair play to him he was like this is a great opportunity for for you you deserve it like go have fun basically so again a shout out to to him and the leadership at Wessex as they allowed me that opportunity I guess but the first training session yeah like for obviously Meteors train like two and a half hours away from me and so for me to like travel that far was like a big commitment and I remember doing it and it's always a good session like you the standards just so high there because you're playing against you know you've got another six or seven people there that are the best some of the best players in the country even the world and then everybody else there is still a pretty decent standard so all together it makes for a very good very good session and then you've got the brain of of Brett and Neely at the time and yeah, it's just, it's just like a really high standard. So I was like, God, this is really, really tough, but this is kind of where I want to be. <clears throat> so just the fact that it was tough. And obviously there had to have been some uncomfortable times in the first session or two. You were diving into deep waters and that's what made you stay. God, do, you, do you know what the, the first, I think this is a conversation that I've had recently with a couple of people and I don't know if you know, but um, Meteor signed uh, Dan Evans over the summer and he's just joined us. And um, I don't know if you've heard of Dan, but he's like a really good player and he's up and coming in the dodgeball scene. But for me, I th well, in general, I think people think that people, like you can just join Meteors and then suddenly you're a good player because they're a good team. And, you know, they just whoever signs for Meteors, it just works and that's it. And they've got a like a very high success rate of signing players and them being very good. But for me, in those first couple of opens, like it was really hard. Our first open, we came third, I think. And then in the second one, we won it. And we went the rest of the season unbeaten. But genuinely, like genuinely, that second open, I think we played in London. I found it so hard because I was playing in at five and then Brett would swap out and let me go to six and I would be leading the team. And like, I was just so off the pace. I was so used to Wessex, which played like a slower style of play. Like we needed to be a little bit more defensive because obviously they weren't as good. Um, we needed to be a little bit more strategic. Whereas like Meteors for me, is just like gung-ho, throw the boys hard as you can, go as fast as you can, don't waste a second. And I was like, I was so tired. And like... <laughs> physically I was tired but mentally as well I was like I genuinely can't pick it I can't pick up what's going on but you what if you watch footage especially old footage and still now to be fair but specifically old footage if you watch Brett and Dan and Ryan 
and Simon and just watch them watch from their wing play. Like nobody in World Dodgeball puts on as much pressure or nobody did it back then. Nobody put on as much pressure as they did. Like nobody could match our intensity. Like we didn't lose another game for that whole year. And the intensity was just incredible. But for me as a new player, I was kind of hoping I could just slot in and have an easy life. But no, like <laughs> it was so it was the biggest learning curve or the steepest learning curve I've ever had. Like regardless of England, regardless of Wessex, regardless of just picking up a dodgeball, like me going from Wessex slash England into Meteors was like the steepest learning curve because it was just so fast. And just the pace that they play and dare I say intense violence that they bring to the court. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I've never seen. I'll put it to you this way: you, you you mentioned defensive, you know, strategic. To some people, that can seem boring, and I get that. There's there's a visual, there's a spectator aspect to that that I can kind of agree with. But then there's something universal about coming out guns blazing, let, letting the clips get empty. Let's just say what it is. You know what I mean? And meteors are not conservative in that sense. You guys come in like a wrecking ball and just whatever happens, happens. You know what I mean? Like you guys are accurate. You guys are intense. And yeah, you guys are violent on the court. You guys bring it every time. It's never a boring meteors match. I can say that. Yeah. But that's, that season was just incredible. We ended up winning what we call the treble. So we won the league unbeaten. We won nationals and we won the British Open and we didn't lose all season. And well, in, in fairness to Spartans, they beat us at that nationals. But because we went in as the top seed, we got like another chance. So mm. they beat us, but then we went into like another group stage, but they ended up kind of switching positions in terms of seeding, if that makes sense. Um, and then we won the whole tournament. So, yeah, we, we lost... We lost once at the start of the season in like the very first open and then we lost at nationals but other than that we went like unbeaten and won every kind of tournament there is but yeah nice but yeah that's season as well was i was really looking forward to going to the world cup of england and i didn't get picked and that was just gutting so it was while well, on a in a club sense it was impeccable like as a as an individual and internationally like it sucked <laughs> I mean, I can understand that. I mean, but in the very least, you, you took it out on everyone in St. George's Park. <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, they have to pay the price. That's fine. Um, so let, let, let's talk. Let, let's go back in time. So you, you mentioned playing football. You mentioned playing cricket. Did you play any other sports growing up? Uh, no, just those two. Just those two? Yeah. So like during during the winter and what well, autumn and winter I'll be playing football then sort of uh, late spring and then throughout summer I'll be playing cricket yeah nice um this is gonna sound kind of ignorant of me because we do not play cricket out here does that translate any way to dodgeball um you would imagine so yeah because you have to kind of throw the ball and you have to catch the ball but you wouldn't tell by my catching because my catching kind of sucks but uh, yeah. uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I should go that far yeah, I think it. I think you'd be uh, you'd see quite a lot of crossover in terms of players at the top level who do play cricket. I know quite a few for for England that that play cricket. Um, 
and there's a lot of sort of transfer transference of power um like from you know from the hips which translates to your throw and then when you're like uh when you bowl in cricket yeah like a lot of transfer of your weight and the use of your shoulder and the use of your wrist and then your fingers so if you're gonna get super technical about your throw i kind of break it down all the way from your legs um, and how you position your legs then through the transfer of your hips and then kind of moving your shoulder and positioning your shoulder correctly positioning your elbow correctly through to your wrist getting your wrist behind the dodgeball then sort of finishing off for your fingers too and I think that's certainly something that I learned playing cricket or kind of ideas that I had playing cricket which I then took into my development for dodgeball when I was really trying to sort of hone my technique I would kind of refer back to that so to answer your original question yes okay I mean I've seen a few like clips of cricket and I look at that throwing motion the physics makes sense. I just don't know how that would make sense for dodgeball. I think it's. I think you know. Bottom line is is hand eye coordination, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So I guess if you if if I was using a traditional American sport, if I said basketball, it's like does basketball relate? And you could probably say not really. But when you're catching a ball or manipulating a ball with your hands and stuff like, it's that hand eye coordination which which kind of lends itself to to dodgeball, and that plus the reaction time is obviously very important. That I agree with, uh, definitely the coordination side. Um, so let's kind of fast forward into, we kind of talked about it in past iterations, but how would you describe this past year in dodgeball for you? And how would you describe the impact your family has on your on your play on the court? Uh, okay. Talking Euros, we're talking you know, Super League and we're talking worlds, like encompass all that. And how did that feel overall this past year now that we're going into the holiday season? And how did it feel having your family support you essentially for almost 10 years playing at this point? Um, I was ready to quit, man. I was ready to quit. Um, this was going to be my last season of dodgeball. Um, you can... <laughs> If you spoke to Brett or Simon about it, they, they would tell you. Um, I, I didn't tell any of the other Meteors boys, but I told Brett and Simon quite quite soon after Christmas. As So like this uh, this calendar year, but midway through last season, that would be. Um, I told them like, yeah, uh, this is me. I'm going to hang up the knee pads, as it were, and I'm just going to dip out of dodgeball, basically. Um, I just, I lost my passion for it, man, to be perfectly honest. I... I just, you know, there's a lot of traveling involved. There's a lot of hard work involved and there's a lot of pain involved. Like I'm only mid 20, like I'm 27, but dodgeball hurts, man. Like it really hurts. And for me, it was kind of like I was traveling a long way, like three plus hours every single time I wanted to play just to maybe you know win a couple of games or win a tournament and then for the next two or three days like i'd be aching and i'd be sore and at this point spartans were, start, were sort of starting to take over or, or maybe announce that they were the best team in the country and i guess i felt like because they were putting so much effort into their training and they were kind of you know i, I guess i felt like they were putting more effort in i was like Do you know what like i'm just gonna kind of let them have their moment and say fair enough i can't give that kind of commitment that they can and i'm not sure i want to and therefore i don't think it's fair for 
my Meteor's teammates to have me when I'm not 100% committed. And at that point, like I said, I hadn't been picked for an international tournament for, you know, since 2017. And year after year, just getting like rejected or, or put back whatever word you want to use or whatever, any term. Like it, <laughs> it hurts, mate. It, right, it really hurts. And it's, and you give a lot of time, a lot of effort. And my family do as well, like a lot of time, a lot of effort, and a lot of money as well. And just to get rejected and it's not even feel like you're not good enough. I don't, I can't really articulate the feeling really, but it's just, it sucks. And yeah. for me, I was like, yeah, I, I'm playing well for Meteors. I'm really, really happy with my uh, career, as you'd call it. I've won pretty much everything there is to win. I'm just going to bow out gracefully. And yeah, so I told Brett and Simon that I wouldn't be playing and they were gutted and they wanted me to stay. Um, I didn't, like I said, I didn't tell the other lads because I just didn't, I didn't really feel like they needed to know. I didn't really want, didn't really want it to be hanging over the end of our season because we could still win the league at this point, I think. And I, I just, yeah, I didn't really feel like sharing it. And I trialed for England and uh, this is like post COVID. So there's been a little bit of change um in terms of like manager like who's the manager and uh who's in this role and who's in that role and stuff like gb and england both changed quite a bit and so i trialed for gb trialed for england and i kind of went into it like a pretty carefree really i i thought you know i'll give it one last shot basically as my dad was telling me that i should i've got nothing to lose and i was like okay well i'll give it one last shot and i went there i just I don't know. I guess I just hit a flow. Certainly, I think the international rules and the international setup like suits my game. And I got into it and I guess I just hit, yeah, hit a flow. And then I got picked for Euros, which I honestly didn't expect. And I got picked for the World Cup as well, which I didn't really expect. I kind of expected it more so. I was, I was more shocked to get picked for England than I was GB, if I'm being perfectly honest. And... Yeah, I kind of just said to Brett and Simon, I was like, okay, well, now I've been selected. I'll, I'll see how I get on. I might still retire after these, but we'll see how it goes. And then obviously we know how it went and here I am. But I guess I guess the second part of, second part of your question uh, in terms of family, like my dad specifically, like he, he obviously knows me very well. And I think he knew that I would regret it if I did retire, even though that's, that's, that is genuinely how I, fit, how I felt. And I was dead certain that I was going to retire. I think he knew that I would probably regret it in a year or two. And he just said, look, just see how it goes. Just like, just keep trying, mate. You are, you are good. You are good. And my dad, like, as much as I love my dad, he doesn't give out compliments too much. So for him to say, for him to say that, you know, you're good, I was kind of like, okay, I'm listening. And I just thought, all right, I'll just give it one more go. You know, just, just out of respect for you and just to sort of show you that I am serious, but we'll see how it goes. So I did it and then, yeah, here we are. I didn't expect to to hear that. I mean, I mean, I appreciate you sharing that. It's just I look at, and we can kind of go into the legacy legacy stuff later. But I looked at you as someone who was poised to take the mantle, so to speak. You know, and, and I can go into that a little bit later. But was it some? Was it simply your performance this past year that made you think you can keep going? Or was it something maybe of a... You don't have to go into any details, but was there like a a private pep talk that Brett might have given you? Because I feel like there's something... Knowing Brett the way I do, 
and obviously you see him on a weekly basis, I feel like he he gave you sort of what I call the general speech. Like he gave you that speech. Like you can keep going. You know what I mean? Um, I think the first part of your the first part of your question is correct. I think my performances changed, and. I felt like I could still offer something because like I said, from, from 2017 to like mid 2022, like that whole period of rejection, and don't get me wrong. Like everything that I've achieved with Meteors has been absolutely fantastic. I'd never change it for the world. And I love all of those people like brothers, but the fact that I wasn't getting picked for England and even like GB, the Atlantic cup and stuff like the fact I wasn't getting picked. Like that was, that was really, really hurting me. And do you know what? Like, whether I think the coaches are right or wrong, I felt like I should be there. And, you know, I never really got a, a proper reason as to why. And I never really got uh, some sort of reflection and development points to work on. I was kind of just told what I didn't have. And that was it. And you know, like I said, maybe they were right. Maybe what they said was right. And they probably were right because I've changed and now I'm in it. But the bottom line is, it freaking hurt every single time I got that phone call from the manager to say, you haven't made it. I'm sorry. And it's just like every freaking time, like day after day, week after week, month after month, traveling up and down the country, winning stuff, winning stuff, winning stuff, even losing stuff. Like I'm losing stuff, but I'm losing it gracefully. I'm losing it well. And then COVID hit and I was like, do you know what? Like this just doesn't need to happen. Like I'm just not going to get picked again. I've got to just kind of quit and I was like and if I'm not at the absolute pinnacle of the sport I don't really want to give up this time and that's it and yeah like Brett and Simon were they were super kind like both of them I don't want to like you know my relationship with Brett but Simon equally yeah. like they they gave me some lovely words and they opened up there's no contract mutuals, obviously but they gave me free reign in how I play like they said look like you don't even have to travel for for training if you don't want to like you don't have to play in anything you don't want to like we just want you part of this club and like we want you to you know stick around we don't want you re to retire and i guess that gave me food for thought but still at that time i was like nah i'm out i'm out and then i spoke to my dad and my dad was like my dad was pretty gutted i could tell but yeah he wanted me to stay and and the real reason why he wanted me to stay i'm not really I'm not really sure. Like I said, I guess I, I think it's because he thought that I would regret it. Um, but uh, yeah, we haven't really had the conversation. But I think I just start, I don't know, something something switched. Like I think in the Super League, like, the season just gone, Meteors went through a stage of having like, we didn't have a fit squad the whole the whole year. So we were always missing something, always. And you know, everybody looks to Brett and Simon to kind of step up as their experience. But I was like, do you know what? I can step up too. Like, if you want me to take a team talk, I can do that. If you want me to fit into a position, I can do that. How? Like, if you want me to be like Brett, I'll be like Brett. If you want me to be the opposite of Brett, I'll be like, I'll be the opposite of that. I, I can do something. I can offer it. And that's kind of, and I think people started to notice that. And I think people started to notice perhaps a change of mentality or a maturity or, um, yeah, maybe maybe a maturity. I'll go, I'll go with that. And I think a maturity of performance, a maturity of mindset. And, you know, that experience carried me through to the trials and then through to selection. And then I guess the more I was training, I kept that mindset. And I think I said I had this mindset where I was like, 
I can offer something to this England team and I can offer something in, in the starting six and I can offer something in the whole squad. Like, if you want me to be the right-hand man to the captain, I'll do that. If you want me to kind of ball retrieve, like, I'll do that. If you want me to kind of nurture the younger members, I'll do that. If you want me to be kind of like a key player on court, yeah, I'll do it. And I felt like I could really contribute and that's what I wanted to do. So I voiced my opinions at training when I needed to and I kind of shut my mouth when I needed to and I worked hard and I worked really hard. And I think the same can be said for GB. And I think over time, people just started to see this change in me and that made me more uh, more willing to stay, I, I guess. Or I, I guess I found my place in dodgeball finally after like, six how long has it been yeah six seven years after, like post covid i finally found my place in dodgeball after all this time and it was kind of it was kind of like a month out from retiring i guess um and then yeah i went to euros and had this like incredible tournament beyond beyond my wildest dreams in terms of performance and uh we didn't we didn't win either but it wasn't about that for me like well, i mean it absolutely was but from a personal note it, i i walked away um content with my own performance and i walked away with a, with a, with more goals as well i think i walked away with motivation and i walked away like i said with my place in in the england squad i walked away with my place in the gb squad in my place in the meteor squad and i knew um i knew what i wanted to do and what i wanted to achieve and that kind of has contributed to me staying and then obviously the World Cup is a completely different story, and that went even, 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 even better. But yeah, <laughs> that it did. Um, wow. I mean, I know we're not done with this interview, but safe to say, like, you went on more or less a mental journey as far as mental maturity. A lot of adversity, a lot of self-reflection. And... so much so much i'm sorry to interrupt but it's like <laughs> i went through, I went through so much. i went through so much i was just i guess what the coaches were saying all along i guess i finally realized perhaps but I just, they just didn't tell me at the time if they just told me straight up look you are being in they are you are being immature you're being this or you're being that if they just told me perhaps i would have reflected at the time and like i burnt some burnt some bridges like Neely left meteors and him and i fell out big time like we didn't talk for a while and for me like he was a he was a mentor for me just like brett was and him and i fell out and that was like you know at the time i was like well i don't really care about that like i don't care about him or anyone else like why do i need to but yeah like it i didn't want that to happen and i was falling out of a lot of people and kind of just going well like middle finger up to you because i don't really care and you know, in that Nationals final versus Spartans, we won it, but I got a yellow card essentially because of immaturity and I nearly cost my team. And I remember looking at Brett and I had tears in my eyes and I was like, I nearly let you down there, bro. Like, I'm sorry. And and that for me was pretty crap. And then maybe maybe had COVID not hit, I wouldn't have learned or maybe had, uh, I don't know, it all kind of fits into place, doesn't it? But there was a time in yeah. Dodge where I was kind of just kind of, trying to burn the world I suppose and with no reason and I was just getting rejected all the time and with meteors I was like f everybody middle finger to everybody and then for England I was just getting rejected the whole time and GB the same and I was just like you know what like this isn't for me and somehow that mental maturity hit at the best possible time yeah I guess so I guess it's um I guess 
I'm not really sure how to articulate it. I think it's I mean a whole a whole a whole wave of emotions, a whole wave of like things happening over such a long period of time. And I guess I never really had the realization of what was going on and never really wanted to change, I don't think. But I think that kind of mental maturity of then wanting to change, then realizing what I should change or just maybe how I wanted to act moving forward. You know, I wanted to help you. I realized my place, I realized my worth and I realized everybody else's worth. And I kind of wanted to just help in any way I could, you know? Yeah. Sorry, that <laughs> it kind of hit me in the gut. Um, safe to assume that I find some some parts of your story that I relate to on a personal level, hence my, <laughs> you know, silence reaction, if you want to call it that. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, I stand by. You're you're not boring. I can say that, and I'm personally glad you're here. I'm personally glad you've continued because had you decided to quit even before this year started those epic moments we would have caught on stream those epic cheers that I know I, I gave out in like 5 or 6 in the morning when you were in uh, Holland <laughs> just to make up for the time difference would not have happened and um, I can say this as a fan of the sport thank you I can say this as a friend just keep your head up man you're, you're only 27 bro like you're gonna, you're gonna hurt the same when you're 35. I try, I promise you. That. <laughs> yeah, maybe you're true. I think I, I do appreciate. I appreciate your words. Thank you. But I think you've hit the nail on the head for me. It's like you said that you you resonate with what I've been through, and you and I have got completely different lives from a completely different place. We're playing it. We're playing the We're playing the same sport, but we're playing a different code of sport. But right. Or this sport, sorry. But I think that's that's my point and why I want to change. Like I want to, I want to support people i don't i'm i'm not mother Teresa, right i'm not trying to help everybody i'm not trying to save the world but where i felt like my dodgeball career was faltering was the fact that nobody would kind of just look at me and go like this is the issue this is what you need to work on do it like when i'm in england right now if people look at me and they go what can i do better like you can be damn sure that i'm gonna tell them what they can do better but i also say what they're doing well and that's why Brett and I've always got on because he's always just told me exactly what it is I need to do. And if I suck at something, he's telling me I need to, I suck at it and I, and I'll work harder at it. Like, that's just how it is. And, you know, <clears throat> I've had some really lovely comments from people, uh, like some sort of newcomers at England and GB. And, you know, they said that I've, I've helped them in the sense that, you know, I've just said kind things to them or I've supported them, but that's exactly what I want because every single person that scored should feel valued and everybody's going through, you know, like something. And I don't think it's difficult to sort of share some constructive criticism or even some positivity because I think it lacks some, it lacks somewhere a lot of the time. And it sounds a little bit cheesy, but I think all you got to do is just say something just say what you see right just say what you see if it's constructive say it if it's nice say it like that's as simple as that and i think that's what i'm that's what i'm trying to bring anyway to move forward and i guess what you said earlier in terms of legacy like i i'm trying to sort of create or generate that legacy moving forward the fact that people will look back and at least in the last couple of years of my dodgeball career they'll they'll hope that i sort of helped them and i supported them and i benefited their career 
in in some way. I, I think by the time it's over, people will definitely agree and with what your uh, mission statement is. I think you're going to help out a lot more people to say in the next five years than you begin to realize. Yeah, um, I so. <laughs> so, do you have a pregame ritual? You know, before you go to St. George's Park or anything that you have to do before a game? Uh, a really, really long car journey. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's a deep um, transition for the, <laughs> for the next one. Um, what's in your playlist, man? Pre-game playlist. Oh, a playlist. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, I don't have a playlist, but Tamas Ward, if you want a playlist, he is the guy to go to. He is oh, got- really? Yeah, he's got the elite tunes. So for uh, for all of the England sessions, like we were trying to replicate noise. And so we were putting on, he has this like big old boom box and he was just playing music for like six hours, the whole six hour training session. He had his playlist on and he's just got these crazy tunes like dance music, house music, like pump up music, whatever you want, he's got it. And um, I think he's using Apple music, so he hasn't transferred it to Spotify. But when he does, like I'm sharing the hell out of that thing. <laughs> But yeah, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not. I don't have a pregame playlist. I don't really no. like to. I don't so really. He's get not in the car anything. with you going to St George's Park, or this is just for England, right? Yeah, this is just for England. Yeah, yeah. So Tamas would just have this like during the England trainings, and he'd had it at Euros. So like when we were like just chilling, he'd have it on in the background, and it was really good. Or if we're warming <laughs> up, we'd have it. But now, nah, in terms of a pregame ritual, like, I don't really have one. I like to just. I like to get to St. George's Park nice and early, like at least an hour, if not an hour and a half before we start, just chill out. Um, I'll probably watch a couple of games, say hello to a couple of people, um, just relax, maybe grab a bite to eat and yeah, slowly get changed and have a bit of a warm up. But that's it. Like I don't do anything sort of strictly routine. I, it's not like I need to spin around on my left three times and hop on my right foot four times and stuff. But <laughs> I just I just go with the flow, man. I just let it happen. That's fair, um, but you don't have a dedicated play- playlist. So I gotta hit up uh, Tomas on that. Yeah, uh, yeah, hit him up, dude. He's 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 the guy. He's the DJ. He's the, he's the England uh, DJ. Yeah, yeah. I want him to be a GB DJ as well. He's got to be in GB series. Oh yeah, he is on. Oh yeah. All right, perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, he's gonna be he's gonna be my next guest if I can make that happen. Um, so we're gonna go into the crowdsource questions. Um, it's been it's quite a few here. So Lisa Mora from Team Canada calls you a legend. <laughs> yeah, she's a legend. Big up Team Canada and big up Lisa. She's she is a lovely gal. That she is, man. I'm telling you right now. Um, just like just like you, I, I you know, she has that dog in her. Like she's not gonna go out easy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you know what she's a she's a hard worker. Like if you wanna like follow someone for some dodgeball motivation in terms of training and stuff like she's the one to follow like she is she is grinding away and she has a i think she has a personal trainer or a friend or something like that but i don't really know too much so uh but yeah it's like she is doing some specific dodgeball like workouts i've never seen in there like they look good man and she is she's working hard so big up to her and she's she's motivating a lot of people i'm sure Oh, for sure. I, I'm not going to lie, and I'll even say this on air. I stole a couple of those drills. So <laughs> that's what you call intel gathering, people. Yeah. <laughs> Cody Broughton, uh, I need to see Brian, Raw, uh, Brian Wong and VC on the podcast. I'm going to make it happen. If they say yes, we'll make it happen. 
All right, so this one I threw in there. I think we kind of touched on it before, but um, we can elaborate further. What is the most, and you know, for the people reading this on the Facebook group, I, I butchered the spelling. Uh, what is the most impactful advice that a teammate and or a coach has given you? Um, I don't know. I d- sounds strange, but I don't think I've ever been given like one piece of advice from a coach or a player that's really stuck with me. But I'll, I'll be honest and what I try to do is I try to take at least one thing that I can from each captain or coach that I've had. And I'll give you an example of that. So we know when I joined Meteors, I was nothing like a Meteor and I was nothing like Brett in terms of play style. But then with experience and from watching Brett and from following Brett as my captain, I, I like to think that I follow his play style in, in a sense. Um, then you look at somebody like Dave Poole, Jaffa, who's the England and GB head coach. And like, like he is super analytical. Like his, yeah, he is. his analysis of dodgeball, like he's, he's got a, he's got a big brain for dodgeball. So fair play to him. Like he could talk the hind legs off a donkey or any other animal that you want to talk about. He could do it. And, you know, I think that, that analysis or that kind of way of thinking it is useful and that's certainly something that i've tried to try to take when i'm when i'm watching those not necessarily when i'm playing but when i'm watching when i'm coaching that's certainly something i try to take from him um if you look at uh ryan neil uh he he's super good at just taking a back scene just letting other people do their thing and he's he is just a facilitator of the madness like he he steps on court. It doesn't have to step on court, but he'll just step on court and he'll just let everybody do their own thing. And he'll be like, do you know what? what? You're doing a good job. Just keep doing it. And I think sometimes people misconstrue leadership um, for needing to bark orders at people all the time. And Ryan couldn't be further from that in the sense that he just kind of lets us do our own thing. And if he feels like he needs to tell you something, he'll tell you something. But otherwise, he'll just let you do your thing and he'll he'll appreciate the fact that you're a, that you're a top individual and he'll just let you crack on. And that's that's a big piece of kind of, I guess, advice I've taken from him, but not that he would say it. Yeah, um, no, no, just something you picked going, up from someone else. Yeah, going going back to Brett again, I'd I think I'd I've taken he kind of just leads from the front in terms of performance. Like he's very good, he's super good at motivational speaking um, and trying to get us hyped up. So I say I take that from him. But in terms of leading, uh, in terms of performance, that's something I would like to upscale. I'd like to get better in terms of my performance so that I could lead from the front. Um, and then last but not least, I'd, I'd say uh, I'd like to shout out Dave Prestage, who has just stepped down from from England and GB as a coach. And he is one of the most kind-hearted people you will meet. And as a as a coach, again, like he he's such a good facilitator because he just he just lets you talk. You know, like he doesn't come out with an extravagant playbook and he doesn't come and tell you the stories of how he played and he doesn't come out and tell you how he would do things like he just kind of goes, are you okay, mate? Like, how are you feeling? And you'll just talk and he'll just listen. And in terms of being a listener, I think that's a skill that everybody in in life can can improve on. And that's certainly something that I'm trying to do. And I had an experience. I had some experiences with him over the summer in the build up to Euros and, and the World Cup specifically the World Cup, where we just chatted 
and I just felt listened to. And I know that sounds really, really stupid, but no, no. As, as an as an elite athlete or as a as a person, to be listened to, it goes a long way. So that's certainly something that I'm trying to trying to pick up. So I guess I I didn't really answer your question, but no, um, you I have really, the best way you could. Yeah, I don't really have any like specific advices or stuff or anything, but I, I've certainly tried to take things from from those individuals and and I've tried to make myself sort of the best of all of those worlds. Nice. Um, what is your biggest piece of advice for anyone up and coming trying out for England or the GB squad? Well, that's a good question. Um, what's my best piece of advice? Do you know what? Just be yourself and enjoy it. I think that a lot of the time people come into these situations. It doesn't even have to relate to dodgeball. It can be anything. But people feel like they have to act a certain way. Or people think they have to perform a certain way. But generally, if they're going to an England trial or a GB trial and they've been invited to that, it, it probably means that they're pretty good in the first place or they have a pretty good set of fundamental skills. And I think going there and doing something different to what you do is only going to be a hindrance. So I think you have to try and try your best to be as confident as you can in yourself rock what you've got and 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 enjoy what you're doing um i said to dan when he joined meteor so it's a little bit away from your question but it will it will relate i said to dan i was like look like we've brought you into meteors and all of us said that we wanted you to be here like all seven of us said that we want you here and we want you here for a very specific reason that's because we feel like your set of skills um marries up to our to our team and therefore, we don't want you to step on court and do anything different. Like just because you're a meteor now, not a sheriff, like means nothing. Like we want you to just be yourself and just fly with it. And you know what? Like on the weekend gone, like he was really good. And I hope that he continues to do that. And I hope he continues to to just rock it. And I hope that anybody who goes to an to any sort of trial just goes there and uh, just is themselves because they they no doubt have got a very good set of fundamentals and they're individuality is important nice rock with what you got that's hell yeah best way way to summarize it yep um my good buddy israel bentley uh he just asked just a joke of a question do you pronounce it aluminum or aluminium i don't 100% really aluminium aluminium definitely like you guys are weird aluminum that doesn't make sense Aluminum. You don't I've even... never. I've. I've been to. I've been to the UK twice. I've never heard anyone say aluminium. Aluminium. If I say aluminum, I'm not even pronunciating the word. Like I'm missing out half the word. Aluminum. Like what? Okay, let me just illustrate this for the people listening. I'm giving such a weird <laughs> look in the camera right now. Nathan's looking at me like I'm crazy right now, and I know this. People are gonna bash me in the comments because of my accent i've had people bash me in the comments because of it but okay that one threw me off i thought israel bentley was um trolling me but okay all right he was on to something um we're gonna have to talk is he uh katherine thomas how would you rate the quality of gb chanting at worlds now before you answer that obviously i watch worlds it was a lot of noise obviously a lot of cheering I couldn't distinctly tell who was being cheered for, who was being booed against, if that made sense. So, 
did you guys have a unique cheer or something that I missed? That was, to be fair, that was a lot of chance that we we made up. And I, had, my dad read this this comment feed, so he he told me about it. And I was like, Oh, really? I was like, What do you mean? I didn't even hear anything. And <laughs> you know, first, like, firstly, I want to say thank you to Catherine and and everybody that was watching and did cheer because you know, uh, not that I heard it, but it means a lot. So thank you very much for that. But like dad was like yeah it's, it was really loud like they were cheering for you like the whole time and hand on heart i didn't hear a thing like i'm so lo- in these finals i'm so locked in like i can't hear nothing like i can hear my teammates voice or the coach's voice and that is it i don't know how i kind of uh mute out that other sound but i can't hear anything um and the, it's funny going back to Lisa actually like the Canadian we got um quite close with the Canadian group so both the ma- uh, the men's and the women's and the the Canadian like women said that they were going to cheer for us and they're going to like say some specific chants like I won't share them on here but they're going to say <laughs> and then uh, like we finished the match and they're like oh did you hear us chanting and I was like no I didn't but I was like if I heard I would have looked 100 percent but uh, <laughs> uh, we'll talk about that after after the that's fair yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no i didn't hear anything but back to Catherine's point like yeah the the support was really really lovely but i'll be honest i didn't hear it <laughs> all right um <laughs> i was like i was i mean i all right so let me let me kind of help you describe it so i understand what you, what you mean yeah the reason i understand that is because i used to do martial arts back in the day i used to do mixed yeah. martial arts as well and a lot of times, now granted, I'm not fighting in front of thousands of people, more like 50 people in a gym, cheering, whatever. But you hear, you you acknowledge that the people are cheering, but your attention is so keen on the ref's calls and your coach's calls. Like if the ref tells you, all right, stop, you know, you know, break or whatever, you're aware of that. If your coach tells you, you know, go for a hook or go for a shoot, you're aware of that. Yeah. What some dude is saying in ringside seats, you're not really aware of that. And part of that um, comes from what you call the flowy state of mind called, uh, well, in Dragon Ball Z, yeah, I'm a nerd. In Dragon Ball Z, it's called Ultra Instinct. But in martial arts, you call it Mushin, where your mind, your spirit, and your body is connecting, and your senses are only keen on what's important at the time. So you're only aware of your opponents. You're aware of the, the ref's whistle. You're aware of your coach's commands. You're aware of your teammate's play call. I could be cussing you out from courtside, and you would not know it because you're so locked in in that, in that square. You know what I mean? You're locked in in that moment. Now, if I cuss you out in the parking lot, you'd be aware. But because your, your senses and your awareness is so keen and, and so you know in line with what's in front of you, they could have been saying X amount of things to you, positive, negative, and different, and you would be none the wiser. So no, it's a no, state of mind that you float into for sure. pretty much I mean, the entire in, week. In comparison to, to Euros, though, like you would have seen the sport, the venue that we played in, and I think it's because we were playing against Northern Ireland and everybody that wasn't English was supporting Northern Ireland. Like It was so loud, like so, so loud. And I couldn't hear much beyond like the muffles but when northern ireland won a set for example like that was so loud like crazy loud yeah. and then move i guess maybe that prepared me 
and that prepared me for for the world's finals because that was a really cool venue like you were surrounded by people which is cool but yeah and so i just didn't hear nothing so i appreciate all of the cheering but i didn't hear anything i'm gonna have to ask Catherine um what cheer she came up with because uh <laughs> there's definitely there's definitely a story there that needs to be told and sadly you can't tell it um so vicky barclay uh who are the goats in men's women's and mixed so i'm guessing she means teams no i guess she means individuals right well how do you okay we'll, we'll go with individuals um Maybe I, I misunderstood it, but we'll go with individuals. Who's the best mixed player, women's player, men's player that you've ever played with? Or seen, or know of? Okay. Um, well, the men's one's going to be boring, isn't it? Because everyone knows I'm going to say Brett. So I'll say Brett for that. <laughs> I was expecting you to say you. Uh, but okay. <laughs> uh, oh, no. God, no. God, no. Yeah. Um, to be fair, but I'll say, I'll say Brett. And I think that's a fair one in terms of... Um, how he's helped me, how he's kind of transcended uh, Dodgeball in a sense. And his like level of performance for so long has been incredible. So I would say like he's the goat in that sense. But also the there's lots of people in the England setup that are just crazy good, man. Like you've got the likes of Alex Harrison, who's been at the top for a long time. And I think he's in his low 30s now, but he's still like he's still doing bits for Spartans and, you know, like he's won so many things and you've got Matthew Desire and um, we call him Arnie, but Arnie. Like, yeah, he was my mentor when I first started with England and I looked up to him. Like I still look up to him now, like him and I've got a very good relationship actually. And I still look like, I don't even know if he'll know. And I doubt he'll listen to this. Maybe he will, but oh, he will. <laughs> we'll make sure of it. But no, I still, <laughs> I still look at, it's really odd. Like we won't speak from one England train to the next, but I still look at him like a mentor. It's really strange. But like he, to me, like when I was, when I was first stepping into the dodgeball scene, he's somebody that I looked up to as a goat, as Vicky Barkley would call it. And <laughs> I definitely consider him right up there with the best people that I've, I've, I've played with. Just, I don't know, just that kind of aura that he gives off. And uh, yeah, I just really, like being around now i think moving forward like if we look at goats of the future uh yeah tamas ward like he's same age as me like he's not a young dude but like he is one of the best technical dodgeballers i've ever seen and i love playing against him and in terms of like just an overall sound dude like he is right up there um i'm gonna shout out all of my mutuals goats nave christopherson's got a huge future ahead of him nick mester joe brown like they're all goats to me um, Simon Jones, like absolute legend. Um, <laughs> yeah, in terms of the future, I'd say Nathan Christopherson and Tamas, they're certainly ones that have already broken through, but have even more breaking through to do. Like both of those, honestly, if either of those are not an MVP from the next Euros or Worlds, I'd be surprised. And that's my that's my call right there. That's right there. Um, <laughs> and then in women's, I think Charlotte Josiah, like she needs absolutely no introduction. Like she is, she's been there, seen it, done it, got the t-shirt a million times, both for the both for club and country. Like shout out to her. She is, she's incredible. And again, like, like Arnie, I think they kind of, and Brett, that kind of era of England definitely transcended the sport and kind of give people like myself and Nathan Christopherson and Nick and Joe and all those kind of people like something to aim towards and whether we're we're 
you know, better than them or have achieved more is kind of irrelevant, but it gave us something to aim for. So I think fair play to them. I think Charlotte mentioned it after the Euros that like her and I's experience playing together was was really good. And I, I, I learned so much from, from her. And I think that kind of she is the woman's goat for me. So I'll, I'll say that. And mixed, which is going to be kind of weird because I don't mixed know how you determine tough. that. Mixed, mixed is tough, yeah. I guess... Hmm, it's got to be one. Of, I guess I can just say one of the ones that is. Yeah, yeah we can do one one. That's fine. Yeah, but I don't, I don't know if she wants me to uh, pick out some goats I've played against in terms of internationals. I don't know, but yeah, I'll just pick out like um, Stefan and Max from Aust- Austria. Like they're both unbelievable, as you know. Um, Adam Smurf, Josh, pretty much all of the Nye guys. Like they're really fun to play against. So um, I'd probably give. The person who I find so difficult to play against is Max Metz. Like, I absolutely hate it because his, <laughs> his, his throw is hideous. Like it comes from absolutely nowhere and it's so fast. Like I think Stefan and Adam are, are, are better, but I think someone that I hate playing against and therefore I'll call him the GOAT is I'll give it to Max Metz. But yeah. You wouldn't <laughs> be the first one to give him that title. Oh <laughs> uh, no, he's such a good dude as well. But I just he really is. <laughs> I remember inter- I interviewed him last year for roughly an hour and we stayed on three hours just chatting about whatever yeah. so he's a really solid dude yeah yeah um geez is that it is that all the questions yep that seems to be it um i'm sorry that aluminum thing is still gonna it's gonna <laughs> haunt me for during the editing process i had no idea israel you opened up a can of worms um <laughs> and i'm probably gonna get bashed in the comments from the uk audience as <laughs> Um, so safe to assume, um, you had a, had a fun interview, definitely let a lot off your chest and shared a lot for the world to hear, but I want to further elaborate, uh, the legacy question. So Nathan, ND52, whatever moniker you want to go with. 53, man. Come on. How can you forget 53? <laughs> okay. We've been on for a while. ND53. <laughs> give me some, give me a break. I'm going to cut this in post. Um, no, I'm not. That's too funny. So how would you like to be remembered once you step off the court for the final time? Um, I think I would, I want, obviously I want people to remember me as a good player and a competitor, but first and foremost, especially in this point in my career moving forward, I, I would love for people to remember me as somebody who, um, although being an incredible competitor and right at the top of the sport in terms of performance, I'd like them to uh, remember me as somebody who was always there to help and offer offer a conversation. I know it might sound really, really silly, really kind of boring, but just being there to have a conversation with people when they need it and whether that be like developmental or just a chat like I want people to remember is that kind of person so yeah top of the top of the game in terms of performance uh, a good competitor a good hard competitor and someone who's there who's always there to have a chat there's several things I want to touch on with that um you're definitely a solid competitor um dare I say you've been tested more mentally than physically and you've come out with high resolve high marks on all ends and 
I think what shocked me, or what didn't, what made me relate to your story more so, in, in really getting the chance to know you without having anyone else on on a panel, more one on one, is the fact that your story almost ended, and you, you know, it took a while, but you got to where you are now. And I think if anyone wants to look at a story about resilience and hard work, they could look at you. They could look at you as a conduit to what they can become if they apply the same measure. Maybe if they reach the conclusion earlier to mature mentally. Um, believe it or not, you're going to inspire a lot of people. And I can already see it now. I'm not even looking at the analytics. I can just tell you man to man. You're going to inspire a lot of people because... Like I said, there's some parallels to your story that I have, and in hearing your story, it actually kind of helped me in in some ways. Um, I, and I know you said you had a theory about your dad, probably thinking you might regret it um, if you quit. And who knows if that theory is true or not, that's a conversation for you guys to have, but for him, for Brett, for your, you know, your tight-knit group of friends to have that kind of support with you, or for you, rather, to go up and down, you know, two, three hours just to watch you play, put it on that England shirt, put it on that GB shirt. They see something in you. I see something in you. And I'm going to say it right now. I, I think you can be a future captain of the England squad. You, That's hope, man. That's the goal. That's the goal. <laughs> I, I can sit here and say, in just talking to you, and I'm not a part of anything England-related. Let's just be perfectly clear. I am in Hollywood, people. Um, <laughs> but I think you exemplify a lot of good leadership qualities that maybe not next year, but maybe the year after or whatever the case is. If someone is to take the armband, it'll definitely be you. And I can't think of any better way of someone to reach their potential to the max than wearing that armband for the for the Lions. And I think you have that in your future. I'm comfortable in saying that because as a man, I'm not afraid to, to speak my mind. And I can if my if my opinion means anything, I definitely I'll definitely stand by that. And I think you're gonna do awesome things for the Meteors, England, and GB for as however long they're blessed to have you. And trust me when I say the pain you're feeling now, three days after the fact, at 27, you're going to feel the same way at 35. So why not ha enjoy the ride while you're there? <laughs> I will bear that in mind, my friend. I'll bear that in mind. <laughs> so no, I appreciate I appreciate the kind words. Thank you very much. Yeah, man. Just Just know that even though I'm far away, if you need any piece of advice, I'm here. Because I genuinely see something in you. I see something in you that even though you reached a mental maturity, maybe there's more left. You know what I mean? More barriers to create a break. There's always, there's always more. There's always more. So before we wrap up, um, do you have any final words? You want to leave any final shout outs? Uh, well, yeah. You know, shout out to mom and dad as always. Um, I love them very much. And without their support, uh, I definitely wouldn't be definitely wouldn't be playing and I wouldn't have had the summer that I've had. So big up to them. Um, thanks very much to the Meteors and thanks to everyone that steps on court against us, man, because you're the ones that you're the ones that inspire us to get better and you know, 
I'm not saying that I want you to keep beating us and keep inspiring us, but you know, <laughs> let's keep going. Let's keep going. All right. All right. And that was my interview with Nathan. Nathan, thank you so much for hopping on and sharing with us your story and overall just exemplifying resilience in multiple ways. Um, I think I stand by it, what I said. Um, he's a great man. I think he's going to be a solid future ca- future captain. Um, stay tuned for my next guest and um, see you next time. <laughs>